Welcome to Detox with Allison. Oh shit, we're recording. You are the best podcast naming person. <laughs> this is the show where we sit down with comedians and other funny people, make them take their vitamins and ask them about their life or whatever else we get into. Let's hope Charlie got it right this time. Detox is produced and sponsored by Big Laugh Comedy. Big Laugh Comedy is changing the world one comedy experience at a time. Big Laugh Comedy is the first ever company that provides you with a complete comedy experience, from live shows throughout Texas in Austin, San Antonio, San Marcos, and Fort Worth, to comedy news and everything in between. If you're looking to laugh your ass off with some of the best comedians in the world, or you want to know what your favorite comedian is up to, you need to visit Big Laugh Comedy at blcomedy.com. Get exclusive content and first dibs on tickets by becoming a VIP for free. Go to blcomedy.com slash VIP dash list. Detox with Allison is also sponsored by MSW Vitamin Lounge and MSW Nutrition. MSW Vitamin Lounge is located in Austin and it's the best place to get your vitamin IVs, shots, and health consults. It's also where we record the episodes, so that's pretty cool. If you can't make it to Austin, MSW Nutrition puts the best nutrients possible into their supplements to bring a little bit of the lounge to wherever you are. The boost drinks we're always sipping on on this show are just one of their awesome and effective products. Trust me, I use a ton of them. Go to mswnutrition.com and use the code DETOX, that's D-E-T-A-L-K-S, to save 15% on all your supplementation needs from MSW Nutrition. And if you're in Austin, I hope to see you at the Vitamin Lounge. Uh, hi everyone! Welcome to Detox with Allison. Bill Dawes is hi, in the house. Hi, good to see you, Allison. I'm yeah. so happy to be here with my IV. Yeah, I got stuck in the first one. Your my veins, veins are, just decided. Yeah, to... I used to have like such great like those those veins that would just pop out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the rock. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Rocky thought he had rock it. veins, and then he just didn't. He also had the oh, same really? thing. She like couldn't find one on one <laughs> side. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you were the first guest that like didn't freak out when I was like, no, I was very serious that we have vitamin IVs and you can get one. <laughs> you were the first one that was excited about it. But other people have had. IVs on the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah, couple okay. other people did, but they were just like, oh, I thought that was a joke. <laughs> I was like, no. When you mentioned that, I was like, for sure I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm going to do it every week now. Yeah. I'm going to be a co-host. Yeah, it's great. Bill Dawes, <laughs> the new co-host. Yeah, we're here at MSW Vitamin Lounge getting these but IVs. I feel like it's taking away my edge. I don't feel like hateful and angry right now because I'm so mellow because <laughs> yeah. of magnesium. I gave you the I gave you the feel good, so you're just yeah, chilling just out. Just chilling, man. Yeah, I was like, I want everyone to feel high on vitamins all when right, they come All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you just moved to Austin. I did. I moved to Cedar Park. Okay. As I, as I joke, which sometimes work, I said I moved inside a Super Target. Yep. Because <laughs> basically my place is just surrounded by strip malls. Yeah, that's like North Cedar of Austin is just nothing but strip malls. Home Depots and yep. Coles and Targets. Yeah. I don't think people understand that because like, especially when you leave Austin proper, all of the suburbs have bled into Austin now. Yeah. You just notice that it's not Austin anymore because it's all strip malls that have <laughs> yeah. been built in the last 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you kind of hate it, but then you kind of love it too. Yeah. It's like everything's right, right here. There. Yeah, exactly. Do you like it so far? Um, I haven't really explored Austin. Like I know there's a lot. Of, I don't know. This mic is like moving. Oh, I think forth. your chair is on top of it. Uh, I know oh, there's like a lot of like, weird. There's a lot of. There we go. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Like there's nature and shit. Should I we? Seen uh, the, I haven't seen the bats yet or anything. Oh yeah, um, they come out of Congress Bridge. But yeah. you're you're also um, 
you're in Cedar Park. You're near Round Rock. Yeah. Do we? Should we get Charlie to help with this? No, yeah. no, Charlie, Charlie. I'm glad I just. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I, I'm a comedian. I handle yeah, these I all the time. There we go. All right. Um. Yeah, but I was gonna say Austin has the biggest back colony yeah. but round rock there's like a small bridge in round rock oh, really? uh, that also has the second biggest bat colony so why is this only something in austin because basically what it is i haven't seen it yet yeah but at sundown yeah the bats like return to they, under the bridge they leave the bridge at sundown oh, they leave on, yeah yeah and then they're out all night so i grew up in round rock yeah. and like one of the things we used to do was we would go outside after the bats were out and you can hear them chirping i mean you might be able to hear them at your house actually too just chirping outside and uh that's chirp they they do it's like a really tiny like high-pitched just sonar sound but it's yeah. it's not like a bird chirp it's just really like clicky almost yeah and uh if you hear them chirping around you can throw tennis balls in the air and they'll pick them up on their sonar and they'll chase them really so as kids we used to just throw them up and like watch them spiral down and then they'd get Whoa. mad and they realized it wasn't a, <laughs> a, a bug or something <laughs> now can these bats attack you i mean they could in theory i don't think they're going to <laughs> it was like a, it was like an annual tradition at school for them oh. to let out like a bat notice there would be like a dead bat on campus somewhere and they'd be like no one touch it and of course oh. all the students are like where's the bat yeah, <laughs> of course. i want to go find it because at that time the problem was rabies right? yeah totally if they find one like on the ground at the school especially if it's still alive they're like oh shit this bat has rabies you yeah, know yeah, yeah. so they're like always like would put like cages around it until they could get animal control out and stuff Austin, yeah. bats and barbecue, man. Bats and barbecue, yeah. No, I haven't really experienced too much of Austin yet, but I, I'm always open to, like, here. I When I came here, for, I came to South by Southwest twice for films I had here. Yeah. And I would go to, like, like uh, undercover bars like yeah. in people's houses. Oh, my gosh, so and many And that speakeasies. struck me as really fucking cool. Yeah. Like, you don't get that in a lot of places. Yeah. So they still have them. There's yeah. still a couple. There's there's some people that I know in town that run a couple. I just need to be cool enough to know those people. I'll let you know after the <laughs> podcast. I'm not going to name drop because they definitely okay. are speakeasies. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's definitely a thing. And yeah. Austin just has that, like, even if it's not at someone's house. Like, I knew of one pre-COVID, at least, that was, like, at a at a company like at a regular bar and it was just one that like everyone knew in the industry once everything was closed by three you could just go over there and drink yeah. until seven or it's whatever basically like paps blue ribbons from a fridge yeah so it's not like that fancy <laughs> pay like 10 bucks for it like oh i'm so cool right now right yeah, yeah it's probably in like a constructed warehouse that's half finished yeah, yeah. now are you from austin round rock yeah okay yeah yeah so i, I don't really i don't really hear the accent uh i can do it for sure i had one when i was little yeah like uh i mean if you want me to slip into it i can go i can go pretty texan you know right, I like it. but uh yeah i i said this the other day i i caught myself saying fixing to like i was like oh yeah i'm fixing to go do that and then i was like shit <laughs> i was there it came back <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one i love that I'm fixed. Yeah. people love that there's there's certain things because i'm from virginia mm. so it's similar like you don't sound like it either though once the more mail I get with this, the more it's going to come out. <laughs> That's what happens to me. I'm like, if I get drunk or mad, I'm yeah. going to get Texan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I went to school for acting. I remember the first time we were doing Shakespeare, and I had to say following, and I was mm -hmm. like, ing, ing, following. What the <laughs> fuck is that? It's following, <laughs> following. Poor Helena, following me. What are you talking about? Oh my god, my theater teacher in high school got so mad at me because I kept saying sure. She was like, it's sure. <laughs> And then oh, I, and I, I would that. say uh, oh, sure. insurance instead of insurance. Oh, yeah. And she was like, it's insurance, Allison. And I was like, oh, insurance. God, I hate that. <laughs> like liquid use. I, when I went to school, I learned about liquid use yeah. and acting like Judy. Judy. Ugh. It's duty. <laughs> I like know. a poop. Duty. Yeah. Suit. It's not suit. <laughs> Ugh. 
You're like, I'm, this is basically British English at this point. Yeah, I fucking hate it. <laughs> so you you have like a lot of performance experience. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's an understatement. But like, can we start with college, I guess, since you mentioned that already? You went. So college, I was a founding member of a hip hop dance company. Oh, my gosh. Called Body Hype. Okay. Because I was a I was a professional breakdancer back in like sixth grade. I started making money breakdancing. Holy shit. Uh, I'm dating myself, but there used, there used to be like dance competitions at Chuck E. Cheese. What? Yeah. <laughs> they were like for kids that were the, not 10? In like the late 80s. Yeah. There's Chuck E. Cheese. It was called Teen Night at Chuck E. Cheese. And it was a, it was like a hundred, sometimes 200 bucks. If oh, you wow. Won. Yeah. And so um, my name, my nickname was Kid Flex with two X's. <laughs> and uh, my group was called Shake and Break. So I was, I was a break <laughs> I dancer. And it's actually really cool because I did it. Seventh, eighth, ninth grade, and then I realized that the parachute pants and the fat laces weren't getting me laid or dates. I mean, I wasn't getting laid at all. Kissed, <laughs> You're like I was in middle school. So I was like, maybe I should get into Bruce Springsteen, classic rock. <laughs> so I got out of the breakdancing phase and uh, tried to just be like a normal guy who liked Bon Jovi. Right. And then, uh, but then later in life, it just c- came back. You know, yeah. when I'm college, I started dancing. Then I became like a go-go dancer. I was a go-go dancer in New York and D.C. Wow. I helped that helped pay my way through college. You know what I mean? That's so awesome. Like you figured yeah. out ways really early on to make money at that shit. Yeah. You know, I know. You, can, you can actually be this. is what I'll say to any young guys watching right now. Just learn to dance. Honestly. Really. I mean, if you can sing and play guitar, even better. But if you can dance, I mean. That's a closer right there. That's so good. Sure, I mean, know? yeah, like I I love partner dance. Like I, yeah. I I did a couple of those classes in college, so I learned like all of them, right? You know, salsa, swing, waltz, yeah. two step, any of them. Like they're so fun. And it's the best if there's a dude that knows how to keep the yeah. rhythm. Cause like as lead? a cause, yeah, because a female, you like you you're taught you have to trust the guy to lead yeah. you, but then the most of the guys are most just so it. scared to do and, it. And no one really learns it anymore. And and the great thing about it is you can you will always go to weddings your whole life. Right. If you know how to like swing dance and two step, yeah. or whatever it is, and you're at a wedding, you're the star of the fucking wedding. Yeah. That's what I always tell people too is like swing and two step. If you know those two, you can dance to anything. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And they're so similar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like a lot of the turns and stuff even are the same thing. It's just slightly knowing how to do the different <laughs> basic yeah. step. I mean, you're going to feel nerdy and stupid going to ballroom classes, but just do it for a couple of years. Yeah. And then go out there and like, you know, there's so many guys, there's such dorks who do it. And if you're a good looking guy and you're straight, it's like, ugh. And that was another thing when I was like in college taking up dance is I was an engineer in college. I was going to ask about that. I definitely pulled up your bio <laughs> and I was like, is this for real that he's an aerospace engineer degree? Like, yeah, that's real. So wow. I was, I, I, I was like, how am I going to meet girls? <laughs> <laughs> and my brother's girlfriend was like, hey, take it, take like an acting and dance class. Yeah. And I'd read an article about uh, John Malkovich. He got an acting because he just like stalked this woman around registration day <laughs> at his college. <laughs> and so I took an acting class and, uh, and took, da- and yeah, dancing was like the, cause like, I, so I went to Princeton mm-hmm. and I was, I make a, I was like the affirmative action. <laughs> quote, cause I, 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 I grew up poor and like no one from my school was going to Princeton. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, but there was like a lot of like f- f- uh, pushback from, uh, articles in Washington Post about the fact that like Prince was being elitist and not letting in people who get right. good grades. So I think they the article came out there like oh, fuck we'll let this fucking dude we'll in. Let this guy in. I wasn't great, but um, 
But yeah, so I didn't have money. I didn't have legacy. When people say, what does your dad do? I didn't realize what they meant is like, right. oh, you're from Virginia. Are you from the Jack Daniels, Virginia? Like, what right. is, like, what does your dad do? Uh, he's an engineer for the government? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that was my only way to actually have any woman at Princeton look at me. Because it's also like 60% men. Or 70, yeah. And they're all fucking hot and 6'2 and play And they're lacrosse. all from rich families. They're all from rich New York yeah. families. And they wear polo shirts. <laughs> and I'm wearing like striped pants from Triple Five Soul, which is like a hip hop <laughs> company. Yeah, someone, yeah, I was called a wannabe. Just because you liked like a wigger basically dancing, yeah, like okay, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. So that's wild. So you, you, I mean, you were interested in like dance and performance to some degree growing up, but then yeah. you went and got your master's in acting, right? Yeah, because I was caused that switch well, from engineering to. I know it was like you know if you do what you love, follow your passion. I just wasn't that good an engineer. Okay, if I was really good at, at, at being an engineer, uh, I probably would have done that. But I just so wasn't you really smart loved enough. it. I wasn't smart enough to be an engineer. But like, you liked it. Engineering? Yeah. Nah. No, okay. I mean, I liked f the problem solving. And I definitely have like an engineering kind of like on the spectrum Asperger's mind. <laughs> uh, but like I, I interviewed at NASA before I interviewed for uh, graduate school for acting. Yeah. And uh, it was just like a bunch of nerds sitting at cubicles working on toothpaste and zero gravity. I'm like, yeah, is that what I want to do with my life? Yeah. They're like, look, we have a track. People can go run around the track in the courtyard. I'm like, so you sit at a cubicle, you look at a toothpaste tube, and then you run laps? <laughs> yeah. Fuck this. <laughs> this is the workplace benefit is I yeah. have to go do cardio. <laughs> and then they were recruiting a lot of people into Wall Street at that time because this is, uh, uh, you know, late 90s. Mm -hmm. And um, I I went there and I just, you know, meet with these people like Goldman Sachs. And they're like, why do you want to be part of uh, eventually, like, I, one interview, I was literally like, I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. I need money. I just, yeah. <laughs> I need a job. a good job. I got a fucking briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> I got to use it. <laughs> and then, then I got into acting school and that was, you know, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I guess the interviews and all that shit just kind of wore on you and you're like, screw <laughs> it. I'm an actor I've now. I've just never been good at faking it. I couldn't yeah. like, uh, I couldn't pretend that I cared about making money. I wish I cared about making money. Right. With this. I still, to this day, I wish I cared about making money. <laughs> People are like, hey, we're doing a movie. You want to be in it? I'm like, you don't have to pay me. Sure. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Yeah. No, I just don't really. Even when I do stand-up gigs, sometimes I'll just take whatever. Yeah. I love like, it. I love it when you, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. I, I love it when uh, you were like, yeah, I just don't like faking it. So I went to acting school. Because like, <laughs> that's the thing that people don't realize though, is like actors, they're faking it, but they're not, you know, like, I don't know what methods you were taught yeah. in school, but it's like. Everyone thinks that actors or good actors are like always fake and on and all that stuff. Yeah. But in reality, at least my experience in acting school, I just did it for undergrad. But like they kind of break you. They make you really understand who you are. Yes. And like you need to understand the human condition. And as dramatic as that sounds like there's a lot to it. Yeah. And you need to understand human psychology and humanity at a whole other level than anyone would really expect from someone who's playing a fake person. Yeah. You know, I think there's a difference between faking it and pretending. Mm. I don't know what it is, and I, I don't know if I can really delineate it. But basically, like, if to me, when you're acting, you're still yourself mm -hmm. in this imaginary circumstance. Yeah. So you still want to bring whatever humanity or compassion or anger, empathy, whatever it is, into the role. Yeah. I always think like you always got to bring whatever you're doing. You got to bring love into the role. Yeah. Even if you're playing Adolf Hitler, bring yeah. your love of hating the Jews into the role. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. bring your whatever your passion is into yeah. it, and we all and we all have it for something. Totally. So sometimes you have to. 
put that passion about something else into this other role. And it's always yeah. hard for, it's, by the way, it's always been hard for me to act in roles where I don't feel connected to the part either. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's called like an as if, you know, yeah, they, exactly. they call it an as if, um, it's funny that you brought up the Hitler example because literally my first day of acting one freshman year of college, we sat down and the professor walks in and he was like, everyone's just been cast as Adolf Hitler and you don't think you're evil. <laughs> How do you do it? Of course. And then, we, and you know, all of us freshmen were like mind blown, but it, it teaches you a good lesson of perspective because no one does something thinking I'm evil. Therefore no. I do this. It's yeah. like, no, I'm right. Therefore I do yeah. this. Yeah. You no know? one's like twisting the handlebar mustache, like in the Dudley yeah. Like yeah. I got the girl tied up to the railroad tracks. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you make a cartoon villain. Yeah, you know, exactly. the scary ones are the real ones. And realizing that I think is a good thing just for today's time, because I was one of those people who was always taught to believe and bred to believe not by my family which is very republican that <laughs> but once i was at princeton yeah. and i was trying it is you know republican everything about being pro-life was evil everything about being anti-drugs was evil everything that was like sex blah 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 and of course that is still what i mostly believe right but i also kind of get the perspective I've, I've it's only been the past few years where i kind of get I think I said that on stage the other night that maybe Charlie was recording. I said, I said, you know, I, I had COVID because I did have COVID. Yeah. I said, and the weird thing, it like affected my heart. It made it like a little more, a little more Republican. <laughs> and it just kind of has, you know, yeah. like my dad, this, this, I say this on stage, it's true. My dad's a Trump supporter. My brother's mm-hmm. a cop and my mom's name is Karen. So it's the honky hat trick. And I always, <laughs> and my dad is also one of the best humans I've ever known in my life. Yeah. Like in my entire life. He's such a fucking great man. Yeah. But he watches Tucker Carlson yeah. and Hannity, and I'm kind of like, uh. yeah. so you could be amazing. And, and the thing is, you find out, then you hang out uh, with Democrats, and like, there's some fucking Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein were Democrats. Like, everyone's right. an asshole. Yeah, everyone's full of shit. Right. So just try to have common sense. But it's a weird time to have common sense now. It can backfire. People get <laughs> mad at common sense. They do. It's so strange because I. I've said the joke before that like I don't think I when I first started trying to do comedy I thought I wasn't going to be good because I don't have strong angry opinions on a lot of things like I do clearly like I but I don't get angry about them and I genuinely like want to hear someone's perspective if they disagree with me yeah and oftentimes like if you have a civil conversation it's like oh yeah that makes sense like if I were in your shoes I would feel that way too and maybe I still disagree with you but like we just had a conversation and we both learned something right yeah and it's just that's so rare yeah today like no one even wants no one wants to stop and listen they just want to shout why they're correct yeah and that's dangerous <laughs> and I had that come up because I was in LA during COVID and during uh, Black Lives Matter and of course I went to marches and I support but then you see these women with their like $400 Gucci pants with torn jeans and they're living in their one bedroom apartment that daddy pays for in Beverly Hills where right. they're telling their signs like fry cops like bacon I'm like no right <laughs> Don't fry cops like bacon. That's fucking stupid. What yeah. is wrong with you? Me and my friend uh, Destiny Lelane, she, we joke about this sometimes. She's like, "Yeah, I'm so sick of these like uh, family funded communists." She's like, "It's all the she's like it's all the richest people you yeah. meet in every city that like thinks yeah. that that communism's the best." And she's like, "I don't care if you believe in that, but like, honey, your parents are paying for everything. Do you realize that that's not why you were able to have this apartment?" Yeah, it's like it's like there, there's and you're of this generation because you're you're Generation Z, right? No. Nah, Barely millennial. I'm 26. Okay. But yeah, I'm on so, the edge. Because it's like uh, they, this generation, I think your generation, wasn't beaten. 
with a yeah, stick or a belt. True. Or a, <laughs> some of them in Texas still are. Some of my friends yeah. definitely had to pick their switch, but. <laughs> and I think it's good to like encourage your children and love your children and teach them that they're right. And, but I think it's happening too much. Yeah. So now these kids are like 17 and you'll see tweets like, well, you know, Abe Lincoln was okay, but. Just because, like, what? Yeah. What are you judging Abe Lincoln for? Right. Oh, we got Gary in the house. Hey, What's Gary. What's up? How you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's funny with the Abe Lincoln thing, too, because the other side, the Republicans, are like, well, Abe Lincoln founded the Republican Party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, everyone's um, just full of shit, and I just hate yeah. the fact that people feel like they have to pick a side. Yeah. Pick a side, but also know that you're full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, it, you're such a victim of circumstance and yeah. situation and environment. Like your, your upbringing affects how you feel when you're a young adult. And then once you're a young adult and you're really thinking for yourself, you're still affected by your environment. Yeah, for sure. Like if I were living still in Round Rock, I might feel differently about things than I do because I live in Austin now. Yes. And that's very close together, you yes, know? Yes, of course. Um, and that's just something people don't realize a lot. It's yeah, like whatever you, if, you're surrounded by is what influences your, your thoughts. If you're urban, you're going to be, usually going to be more Democrat. Right. If you're rural, you're going to be more Republican. Right. It just makes sense. Yeah. Doesn't mean like you, you move into a ranch, you get more evil. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just like you you perceive you just, it differently. You move to a ranch, you want less Mexicans invading you. That's all. <laughs> You're like, I got to protect this land now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't agree, but I get it. You just have to get things. Yeah. I think as long as you can like, look at a point of view and go, all right. I get it. I see where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's honestly all it takes is like yeah. the basic understanding is humanity. We can disagree as much as we want, but as long as we have a mutual understanding that we're all looking out for our best interests. Yeah, for sure. You know, we could get a lot further. <laughs> It'll never happen, but yeah. <laughs> one can hope <laughs> maybe if these podcast listeners start a movement, that's what it'll be. We'll see. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, so you get to, where did you go to grad school? Uh, NYU. NYU. Yeah. And you finished grad school. And mm -hmm. what did you do like when you first graduated? My what first did you... job was a, was a Broadway play um, with Sigourney Weaver. Hell yeah. She saw me in something. She said, hey, I want you to do this play. And I said, cool. And then we went to dinner one time and I hit on her <laughs> like a fucking asshole. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. She's so much older, but I was just like, how cool would it be if I fuck Sigourney She's Weaver? She's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like having this live studio audience. Yo, I fucked Ripley. You know, and uh, <laughs> I hit on her and then she was like, check, please. And then I never uh, hung out with her again. And she was like, I want to be your mentor. Jessica, Jessica Tandy was my mentor. I want to help you through the business. And I was yeah. like, cool. And I got drunk. I was like, so what do you think about like sexual potential? And uh, Oh, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> so bad. Did you still get to do the play, though? <laughs> yeah, she didn't fire me for the play. Good. Um, oh, God, so stupid. But, you know, if I went back and like did a do over on all my stupid decisions. <laughs> I would never go back. You ever think about like, if I could just go back to this one moment and then I go, but then I have to go back. Okay. That, you know, I might as well just be reincarnated at this yeah. point. <laughs> Let's just do a reset on all of this. Yeah, Give yeah, me the yeah. same opportunities again. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was the first thing was, and then the next thing I did a, a big off Broadway play that ran for two years. And I was just like a theater. I was like a New York. That's awesome. Theater nerd. I couldn't sing. So that like, they're always trying to get me to do rent do and shit like that. And I yeah. just couldn't fucking sing. I wish I could. Yeah. Um, and then I got into comedy because after after several years of doing a lot of new plays, right, where I like to be involved in helping write them and never get any credit, which totally I've done that before, yeah. yeah. And then um, and one play was like it was shortlisted for Pulitzer, and I co-wrote it, and I get credit. Um, but I just got sick of the fact that like playwrights would treat you as like a prop as an actor, mm, and yeah, go, hey, yeah. what about this slide, like. Bill, you're just an actor. Just do the lines. I'm like, the lines actually aren't fucking perfect dipshit. Yeah. And I don't think that playwrights, 
you're taught in grad school that playwrights like divinely shit their words from the asshole of Krishna and that right. you just catch the drippings on it. <laughs> you're so lucky to catch it on your page. But everything could be, and then, I, and then you end up like doing more work and then you realize that the people who are the best at what they do um, are people like Glenn Manuel Miranda. You yeah. know what I mean? They're who, also performers. Everything that he did with Hamilton in the Heights is completely collaborative. Yeah. He had everyone... You know, and you just have to be able to feel that. Like I did a play, it was about, my last play I did, maybe the last play I'll ever do was about Rudolf Nureyev. And I'm pretty method this way because yeah. I don't like to fake it. <laughs> so I was just like everything about, I was like, I lost like 25 pounds. Oh, I was like chain smoking. I was like just being a fucking asshole diva because I was method acting. <laughs> yeah, it was method acting. It was okay. <laughs> but the play just wasn't making that much sense to me, a lot of the lines he had. So I, the playwright, and I kept, Asking for changes. Right. The director kept changing, kept changing the play. And then the playwright flew in from like Chicago because he heard about this. Right. And we, we went at it. He goes, you know what? I don't like to listen to actors give me feedback. I go, you know who does? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right. <laughs> Motherfucker. Like yeah. you're in Chicago as assistant professor. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I learned early on too, is like the best playwrights are people who have acted before. Yeah. Because they understand that like, it might sound beautiful or look amazing on the page, but as soon as someone says it, it can jumble every single time or it yeah. doesn't make sense to be spoken. And then you alter it like that. Yeah. You know, that's why Shakespeare was so great. He's considered yeah. a playwright for the actors. He would also be in the plays for sure. And he had to make it so that it was made sense. And, you know, you look at a lot of his plays and they also kind of have stage directions in them, even if they don't really have any in there, you know, yeah. It's like the the things that you're indicating in the monologues kind of create the stage directions for you. Yeah. I think if you're a secure writer or director or whatever it is, you, you can just allow your actors to kind of give opinions without getting butt hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go, I like it or I don't like it. It's like Ty McHale who directed me, who directed Hamilton and directed me in something. He was the same way. I did a Broadway play with him and he just, he would like listen to me and then- yeah. Sometimes tell me no or yes. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. would be like, how dare you, <laughs> you lowly actor. So that's how I got into comedy because I just felt like I'm I'm smut. I'm sick of being told what yeah. to do for everything. Let me, let me. So I got drunk one night. A friend dragged me to an open mic. It was back in the day. He put like literally like a name in a hat. Yep. And it was three minutes. I think even like my first time, like there's agents out there. What? And I was like, it's okay, man. I've never done comedy before. I haven't prepped, but like. I'm funny. I'm a performer. I'm going to do it. I used to be a go-go dancer <laughs> at the limelight in Manhattan. So I went up on stage and I think I was a little influenced by the Dane Cook, <laughs> oh, no. by the Dane Cook movement. So I think it was kicking imaginary doors and moving my head like a snake and doing just <laughs> shit like that, just without any jokes. Right. And uh, completely bombed. Right. And it made me realize like, hey, I first of all, the first thing is like, wow, bombing isn't that bad. It's not that bad. I mean, yeah. probably also coming from acting, you're used to people not making <laughs> yeah. like that. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, it's but you just don't, like you don't need you've done feedback. so many dramatic like things yeah. that you don't necessarily rely on the audience to laugh yeah. after you do something on stage. Yeah. So it's like okay, they just didn't. Yeah, some some chubby chick with her arms folded is giving me the hairy eyeball. Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not gonna have coffee with her. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so so I bombed. So first of all, it wasn't that bad. And number two. I didn't want to bomb again. Right. So then I did like the Eminem eight mile. I got in front of the mic, got in front of the mirror with the microphone. Like, Started practicing. <laughs> what if I did my snake move like this? What about that? <laughs> and yeah, the first few years, I you know, Bill Burr talked about this one time. He said when you start comedy, you go in there for one reason. You have a you have a thing that you want to do, right. a way you want to express yourself. And then you're told by agents, by Just for Laughs, Jeff Singer, that dipshit, all these people <laughs> like fuck him. But. uh <laughs> I have stories about that guy. Anyway, so um, 
We can gossip in a minute can, if you want. Yeah, you can finish he, this. He, he's never gonna let me in anyway. So it uh. <laughs> oh you got to do this you can't do this you can't you know and then you go okay and then you try to like fit into this mold that either hollywood wants or that you think people want or the industry wants and then eventually you kind of like go back to the initial things that you loved about doing yeah i mean i've I've always been a guy who wanted to be do physical comedy and and do act outs and and then people like well act outs are hacky and i'm just like well i like doing them and they work for me yeah and (laughs) if if you think they're hacky then don't (laughs) watch my set but yeah i enjoy doing it so that's that's what matters you know that's the thing too is like no one you're never gonna not everyone is gonna like you ever especially once you get into a performance of some sort so it's like yeah, exactly you may as well do what you like and the people who like that style will come for it and yeah. the other ones can just not buy your tickets you I know think it's also good to go to go through those moments where you try to like fit into a mold that yeah. you think the industry wants or i mean i comedy is such a weird thing too because when i was coming up in comedy i guess i started like 2005 2006 you just um you just want to get the tv spot right because that's all there was there was no youtube yeah there's no facebook there's nothing so all you wanted was like i could get on the tonight show mm-hmm. that was it yeah now it's the joe rogan podcast but right. then it was the tonight <laughs> show so you had to work your clean five mm-hmm and there was nothing ever organic about working a clean five for me. Right. First of all, I, I'm not clean. I don't have a clean mind. <laughs> I mean, I can do clean jokes, obviously. And second of all, like when you do a, a TV set, there's nothing organic about it. It's right. like you're hitting a tape recorder. There's no interaction with the audience. There's no feedback from the audience. So it's very, what you see when stamps are on TV has nothing to do with the actual world of stand-up comedy and yeah. what exists on the stage. Yeah. Where there's like an organic relationship between you and the people and you watching. you can interact with them. And yeah. Yeah. So it, it just never, it, that never really worked for me because I liked, I liked doing dumb shit and going into the audience and molesting people a little <laughs> bit and, and, uh, yeah, so, so, but now, now it's like, you know, now you get, now you get older, like, it doesn't matter for me. It's always been fun mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I, and I, and I eke out living doing it. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'm past the point where I'm like, well, this is what I have to do to get my pilot. Right. I need my pilot. <laughs> oh, whatever. Like, I just want to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to do it and not get canceled. <laughs> yeah. Well, or maybe get canceled on because itself. you know what? Hey, some people get canceled and they just, it, they, <laughs> they blow up after getting canceled. Yeah. Ironically. That's true. Um, so that's, that's so interesting. Like, did you notice from moving, like, were you still acting when you were doing stand up? Like, did those yeah. coincide a lot? Yeah. When I first tried stand up, I was just blown away that anyone could go do an open mic. Like it was one of those things where I've always any performance I've ever done, you have to audition. Like you oh, yeah. have to be given permission yeah. to go on the stage. And so it was like a mind fuck for me when I just showed up to a place and they're like, "Yeah, you want to go up?" And I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> you know. Um, was was that like an adjustment period? Did it feel like you were suddenly like, "Oh shit, I found a thing that like I can just go do it now. Like I can just decide I want to go on stage tonight and." Like, did that encourage creativity for you? And yeah, I don't know. I, I I kind of um, for me it was it was so different from acting because it was about no rules. Yeah, and acting was about you had to you know I was on soap opera for years, mm. and soap opera is like hit this X, say this about this person fucking that person, and then hit this X, right? And then give a weird look, and then hit you know it was like so choreographed. Yeah. And then a lot of times you do plays and you have directors who just like micromanage the blockings and, totally. and the words and everything else. So um, just do whatever the hell you want. And I think there was something that was really cool about that and also very sloppy. Yeah. But it was fine. I would like take off my pants and do all <laughs> sorts of 
like dumb shit that that I look back now. I'm like, oh, maybe that was all fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun, and it helped me have you know learn what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. And it probably like, did you feel like you learned more about yourself through that too? Like, yeah. yeah. I, I think I got to be, I should be better about like excavating the heart of darkness in my stand up comedy. <laughs> you know, I like, I like being silly. Sometimes I look back, I go, I, you keep thinking as a comic that each year you get better and you get right. deeper and more right. grounded, more real and more authentic. <laughs> but I don't know if that's true. You're like, I just got goofier. <laughs> yeah. I, I think maybe. And sometimes you do, and then sometimes I look back at sets like that are like ten years old. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be abysmal. I'm like, wow, I was better then. Oh no, what the fuck is going on? Because <laughs> I didn't care. There was something about like, I I think just having the confidence of not caring and the confidence of like self expression, yeah, is way more important than anything else. Yeah, because if you're having fun on stage, as you know, as anyone knows, if yeah. you're having fun. You can do 20 minutes without telling a fucking joke and kill. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, know? you get the audience in there with you. Yeah. You just get them in the same vibe. And it's like, all right, we're all just here having fun. Yeah. Let's now fuck around. Now, if you're around. faking it when you're up there, like people have the fake laugh. I'm like, right. you're not really laughing at your own joke. You're faking it. But some yeah. people are really tickled pink by what they say. Right. And I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> it's great. Sorry to pause this. Can you roll your little roller down to the bottom right there? You are the fastest person. Yeah. So what I do? This little thing right here that you have, there's a green, this, there's a little uh, green roller on it oh, on yeah, one yeah. side. Just roll it all the way to the bottom. Yeah. I'll text uh, text someone to come get it. That is the fastest anyone has ever gotten that done. You really are a pro at that. Yeah. Can y'all come get Bill's IV? <laughs> Shawnee's going to come in here and be like, Not yo. Not to brag, guys. <laughs> Not to brag. Chugged it. Huh? Yeah, if you can go get someone. I just texted him, but yeah. Gary to the rescue. Um, so when you started doing TV and film, like, how did you make, like, what, like, how does that even work? You went from stage stuff. Like, were you also trying to get on Well, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's so weird when people ask me about agents, I had an agent coming out of grad school cause mm. they want you, they place you kind of right away. Yeah. They do a lot of showcases. So, right? um, yeah. so I just had agents right away and, um, and you go in for auditions and it, it's, it's weird too. Cause I know this is necessarily about acting, but. Your job as an actress is to audition, really. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's really to audition on camera. Well, one of my friends used to say, uh, you're, when I told him I had a theater degree, he's like, you're majoring in waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Tables and waiting to get a yes. That's depressing. <laughs> like, great, but, uh, thanks, dude. <laughs> but audi audition, so uh, it bums out because it took me years to kind of learn that. Yeah. Like, you can do all the check off in Shakespeare and whatever the fuck it is you want, but until you know how to audition and do a self-tape, audition yeah. for the camera, how not to be nervous, how to yeah. go into a room with confidence, then it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really matter if you can say Russian names <laughs> and three seagulls, you know what right. I mean? All right, we got Aaron here unplugging this for Bill, the top the top IV sucker of the show so far. Pretty good, huh, Aaron? I'm only like oh, I'm only like halfway through. Oh yeah, she's gonna tear that oh wow, you're a champ. Yeah, hold it with that hand. I'm only halfway through my IV. That was so fast. Took it down. I, I want another one. <laughs> He's like round two. Let's go. Well, you know, in LA, I used to get them like once. Uh, I don't know, like once every few weeks. Yeah. But now that I'm here, I haven't. I didn't even realize they had them. Yeah, MSW Vitamin Lounge. Shout out to our guys letting us <laughs> use the space. Yeah, um, they always feel so good. You were talking. You were you saying you thought you were dehydrated today too? Yes, that might have been part of it. Yeah. Yes. 
Boom. Because I keep knowing they have to drink water and I just don't do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things, I should drink water. And I'll, let me let me put that in the back pocket. Yep. <laughs> I'll get to it next week. Text me when you're ready, Alex. Thanks. Um, did, you, did you like TV and film work once you started getting into it? Because it's so different than theater. Like, I don't think people realize that most of the time. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I mean, I've never really... I've... N- never really had a, like a TV career. Mm-hmm. Like I've never been a series regular. I had a couple of recurrings and stuff, but yeah. I've never had like a real career, you know, like a lot of my friends have. Um, so I don't know really what that entails. I do know that when I do guest stars, like I had a guest star in SWAT that came out next week. You can catch it streaming. Beep. But like, <laughs> um, you know, I played like a trucker against trafficking, against against like uh, sex trafficking. Yeah, it's, which is a real group of people. Yeah. So I researched it. I donated money to it. I like thought a lot about it. Yeah. I chain smoked thinking about it, and then uh, you do the scene. And I'm in like a big rig, and I pick this girl up. I try to save her, and mm-hmm. there's a gunfight, and that's a whole day of doing that, or half a day, and and you commit and you care and you try to put your physical body into it, your emotional body into it. And uh, and then it's on <laughs> the episode, and it's a ten second scene. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> um, and then, and I'll admit this now: the last, the second scene was in a um, was in I was in the hospital. Yeah, the character got like shot, and he's in the hospital. And I have these scenes with the two lead SWAT people, not Shamar Moore. The other two, two was Lady and this guy. And mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know why I did this, but I took mushrooms. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? Let me just shroom. Oh my god! <laughs> maybe not. Maybe should tell CBS this, but I, I was shrooming in that scene, and the way I looked at it, <laughs> you're like, this is basically morphine. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm hooked up to an IV. I've been shot. I'm on drugs. Right. And and my experience. I'm, by the way, I didn't do like five fucking. You didn't do a heroic caps, dose. You know what yeah. I mean? I did like two caps, two stems. I'm a big <laughs> so boy. like so two grams, three grams. But they were small. They were okay. So I, was like, I wasn't like, it was like right before you start seeing shit. Right. It's like things are just opening and right. your heart is opening, but you're not seeing like dinosaurs or anything. <laughs> um, so it w- and I'm telling you, I was like, what if I, what? and I just kept, because I was on this hospital bed, I just kind of kept taking little bits. I got to tell you, I haven't seen that scene yet. Oh no. But I, <laughs> Guarantee you it was fucking great. Uh, your eyes and are just I was dilated. so word perfect. I could, I've never been more word perfect in my life. I was like, blah, blah. they were actually looking at me. The guys were like, Jesus, this guy's fucking on point. <laughs> They're like with their little sides. And I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. right. Who knows? Maybe I'm mumbling the whole time. But I felt like I was on it. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, that would make sense, though. Like, if you, have you ever seen a picture of someone who's on like a brain scan of someone who's on mushrooms versus not? Uh-huh. If you're if you're not, there's like certain areas in the brain that are lit up because you use yeah. them a lot. And then when you're on mushrooms, the whole brain is lit up. Oh, so yeah. that's why they're that's why they're legalizing it for like therapeutic use because it just lights all of the places that you don't use anymore and basically <laughs> allows you to like reconnect different things. Yeah, that's my new acting school. The mushroom acting school, man. <laughs> the mushroom method. acting. I love it. <laughs> the mushroom method. Because it's one, the one, and they came, they were, they had so much drama because they had another shoot they had to do. They only had a half hour. They had to drive to this place. They were, oh God, can we just finish up this fucking scene? It's oh my, my big scene. Right. They're like, can we just get through this fucking <sighs> scene? And I'm like, all right. And so this one girl who was doing it, she was like, she had fucking reliance. I'm looking at her going like, I love you. (laughs) 
you're not really an actress, are you? You're just a hot model into this role. Oh. I just loved her. I'm not going to name her name. I just love everyone. <laughs> I just love everyone. Yeah. And by the end, the guy, they, they like apologized to me for being dicks. And then the head writer came up and said, you were great. Thank you for putting up with this. I was like, mushroom every time I'm on TV now. Yeah, right. It makes them a lot more bearable. And uh... <laughs> Because also, if you're working, like, for example, a friend of mine who works constantly, Garrett Dillahunt, who's in Army of the Dead right now, great actor, theater guy, Newman, New York, he's always on set. Yeah. 90% of the time, you're doing nothing. Right. You're just sitting, waiting for the Even movie set. Even if you're set. nonstop working, you're literally just in a trailer. Yeah. Or on a chair. Yeah. Getting made up or, yeah. Yeah. So you have to, like, whatever you do, if you're an actor, you have to have something else that's, like, I, I think it's different with comedy because comedy, you can always be writing. Yeah. You can always be just either writing jokes or writing thoughts or whatever it is or, or working out jokes or talking to friends about jokes. But as an actor, you know, Garrett's not on trailer talking about, what do you think about these zombies? What do you, you know, right. you're just fucking yeah. punch in. So you have to, like, take up knitting or fucking something <laughs> gotta have crosswords. a hobby yeah yeah but comedy that can be your hobby right you could just live just on comedy watching yeah. it doing it you know thinking it. yeah especially if you're starting out with comedy like if you're not writing or working with someone on your writing like you can be figuring out how to edit audio or video or like yeah share jokes that you don't want to you yeah. know for yeah. me at least i usually just post jokes on social media that i don't want to do anymore <laughs> and so yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like okay here how do i caption this great and then you can like learn how to do that stuff and get your stuff out there yeah i used to do that on twitter i used to use twitter as a, as a way to test out if a joke was good right but then i got like i got too like enrolled in all the fucking tr twitter drama oh my god so yeah. just, i just got off twitter Twitter's so annoying. I feel annoying. so much happier now that I'm not on Twitter. You're smart. I'm still yeah. on there, and it's a mess. <laughs> you just go on, and then you'll see it. You'll just see a tweet. If you're a cop, you're a piece of shit. I'm like, mm. <laughs> like this one guy from uh, Sex and City, this bald guy. I don't know, a big actor. He was like, these motherfuckers who aren't getting the vaccine, they're ruining, they're ruining the country. Fuck them. They should all go to hell or something oh my like God. really aggressive. And I said. Are you talking to black people? Is that what you're doing? Because this is kind of kind of sounding a little racist right here. Right. <laughs> I didn't mean, but they, I mean, I understand why. I understand why. When, uh, you know what? Fuck you. And he blocked me. <laughs> Dude, it's my favorite when a big account blocks someone. <laughs> like when Trump would block random 500 people accounts. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. just like his person's got 20 followers and Trump yeah. would get so mad and block him. It's yeah. just like, bro. Yeah, Bill Twitter. Cosby blocked me. That felt good. Oh my God. How did you get Bill Cosby to block you? Well, here's the thing about here's the thing about Bill Cosby. Um, I knew that Bill You're Cosby. Kill Gary with I knew these that stories. Bill Cosby was a rapist for 20 years. It sounds like a lot of people had some inclination. So I was because I was dating a girl who uh, her older sister was an extra on the Cosby Show, mm. and they're and they were like this is Manhattan, so they're like New York girls. They're yeah. like smart girls. Her dad was like a big actor with Casavetes, and she. He said, I want to help you, like, tutor you in acting, mentor you, come to my place in Squirrel Hill. And she's 17. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. This girl. I mean, she talked, Michelle Hurd's her name. She talked about it. Um, and she goes down there, and he's, like, you know, doing lines with her and asking her if she wants tea and shit like this. Mm. She had curly hair. She was half white, half black. And he goes, you know what? I want you to take a shower, and I want to see what you look like with straight hair. Here's a robe. And she's smart enough to right. go, that sounds weird. That's creepy. And you want me to take a shower? Yeah. So she's like, ah, no, you know what? I got to go. And she left. Yeah. And she told this to like another extra that she was working with. 
Um, she said, stay away from him. There's something fucking off about that guy. I don't know what it yeah. is. And the ex was like, really? And then sure enough, like a week later, he had come to her, the ex, the friend. Oh, uh, yeah. And then the friend came back and was like, like weeks later, like a ghost. And something had happened. She never yeah. knew. But Michelle had talked about it. So Michelle talked about this early on during the cause. And people just fucking went after her. Right. And she was like, look, she's a successful actor. She's on a series. She's like, I don't need... I don't need 15 minutes of fame. She's right. married to Garrett Dillahunt, right? She's yeah. like, I don't need the fame. I don't need the money. It never happened to me. I saw it. Right. There was weird shit going on. I know this. I want to support these women. And people, fucking death threats, paparazzi in the fucking bushes. Yeah. You know how hard it was to take down Bill Cosby? Yeah. So I wrote I wrote a blog about it, uh, which I has since probably deleted, because it was like, <laughs> it was called In Defense of Offensive Materials for, for Punchline Magazine. Mm -hmm. And I talked about how just because you do offensive material doesn't mean you're an offensive person. Some of the right. people who are the, the cleanest comics are the biggest piece of shit, like right. Bill Cosby, right. who was a rapist. So I wrote that down, and like everyone was like, you gotta fuck, you're gonna get sued, you're gonna be blackballed. It's like, oh, no, no, but I know it's true, I know it's true. I was like, oh, fuck, I took it down. And then two years later, Hannibal Burst blows up because <laughs> he talks about it. I was like, I should have stuck with my guns. Yeah. Anyway. That's wild. So anyway, I, I tweeted something. Just I think I was retweeting Michelle or defending Michelle. And uh, sure enough, he blocked me. And he blocked yeah. you from a retweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. That's, you know, it's crazy like to think about someone like that who was so famous and had so many people liking him. Like, are there still people who were on his side at this point? Oh, it took like 50 people. To like claim to that he did something. Go, I mean, think about like Michael Jackson. Yeah. Try to defend. That one's still divisive. You know, guys, try to defend Michael Jackson on Twitter. Just for fun. <laughs> try. Just try. Right. Just say, or not defend him. Just, just try to like actually say that he's guilty. Go on Twitter <laughs> say, you know, I think maybe Michael Jackson did touch boys inappropriately. And watch the deluge right. of hate and death threats that right. come your way. I mean, I follow mostly comedians at this point on Twitter. So like yeah. my, my feed leans pretty liberal most of the yeah. time because of that but people forget that like it, it, you know if your twitter's feed is mostly conservative or mostly liberal you forget that the other side is just as insane as all the people yes. you're seeing on the yes. side you're with you yes. know so it's just like it's crazy if you were to tweet that about michael jackson i'm sure just so many like conservatives and like i, I guess know, actually i don't I know who even conservatives. i think it's, it's like, not even a conservative a contingency in england oh really i think people are literally being paid <laughs> to troll Twitter and find anything that's anti-Michael Jackson and just attack them. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy because like British people are usually the first to be like, Americans suck, let's take down this <laughs> celebrity, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I got attacked by so many. It was after that Leaving Neverland documentary. Came. Okay, yeah. It's, this, this is the thing I've learned after all the Me Too stuff and I've been indirectly kind of affiliated with people who have been accused of it. I have yeah. not by myself, but like the, the thing that I learned is that if someone's going to come forward and accuse a man of something, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are one thousand percent accurate in what they're saying, right? But they're doing it because they believe it's right, right, and it's eating at them, and they're one thousand percent not doing it for fame, right? No one is coming forward and say, "I was molested by this comic," right? Because I want, I want a TV show. Yeah, that's fucking horseshit. That's not how it works. That's how, you know when. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein, like, oh, you just want to do that because you want fame. And those other comics, you're doing because you want fame. Bill, Cosby. It's like, no, no one is, is 
it's, it's so difficult for women to admit, admit that they've been molested or raped. Yeah. No one wants to do it publicly. It doesn't make you look cool. And you don't want to get famous for being the woman yeah. who was touched. You so, know? Like, so I've talked to enough women who have come forward. And, and, and even as a guy who put my name in an article, basically saying, like, I agree with the, I believe these women. It was like the amount of shit that came at me right. directly for just saying, like, hey, these women, I believe these women. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And I was... And then, then you'd hear that these women, like they were crying every night. They, they felt like their careers and lives were ruined. That they wanted public about it. Right. And then you see in the press, like, well, she just wants her fame. You fucking dipshits. Yeah, no way. And I'm a guy. Right. Like I got a <laughs> cock and balls. Like I understand what guys are about. Right. But at the same time, like let's not be a bunch of fucking assholes and just like double down on these dicks that are raping, molesting women either. Totally. You know? And there's like. Oh shit, what was I going to say? There's like the people that, you know, the women don't want to be known as that. Like they don't want that to be their claim no. to fame, which is not fame. It's just your name's in the paper a lot because you're accusing someone who's famous. But it's also like, I, I, I'm lucky enough to never have had that happen to me. But people that I know, a lot of the times, the only reason that actually convinces them to come out in public about it is because they don't want it to happen to other people. Yeah. Like they are so scared by that person that they're like, shit, this person could do it again. And I don't want someone else to be dealing with the shit that I'm yeah. dealing with. Yeah. And so when you put it into that perspective too, it's like, oh, that's actually like a really helpful thing that these yeah. people are trying to do. <laughs> and the media is just slandering it by being like, oh, she wants to be famous. It's like, no, she just doesn't want other women to wake up crying yeah. in the middle of the night. And, and again, like I, I did this bit before Bill Burr, I was like, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be believe all women, it should be believe most women. Cause True, because there are some that, there are that some jump on it. There are some cunts. There are some cunts. <laughs> I have from first experience with cunts. Yeah. And not, not necessarily cunts that will be like, oh, he fucking did this to me, but like they just are liars and crazy and bipolar. Who else? Right. Who else? So you should believe most women. Right. Most of the time. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's just so crazy that everything has to be completely polarized, like either one or the other. And there's no there's no middle ground. I think that this is good, though, because I think that that men have to be better with women. And that might mean, mean getting laid less, which is fine. Just get laid less. Guys. <laughs> just get laid less. <laughs> Don't be, if you being less aggressive means you get laid a little bit less, go jerk off in your virtual porn. It's fine. You'll <laughs> just be get okay. your sex robot. You'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> <laughs> when are they coming? Oh, man. <laughs> Damn. Uh, how do I transition from that? I Jesus know, Christ. Once you bring up rape and molestation, where do you go? I'm talking about the army, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was another thing because I used to do shows for the USO That's and what army. I was going to ask you about anyway. Yeah, like and, and, you traveled all and over. And they're like, listen, when I went to, uh, I went to Kuwait and they're like, you got to be G-rated in Kuwait. Yeah, yeah. So what are you talking about? Like food. You know right. What, I mean? like, what are you talking about? Well, clothes are weird. And then they go, but once you get to Baghdad... You can do whatever the fuck you want. They see dead babies Ugh. every day. So do whatever the fuck you want. Just make right. them laugh. And I did a I did a joke about um I called it the Nestle knockout. And the joke was about being with like a Puerto Rican girl who was like saying, Oh, you like that Puerto Rican pussy? You like that Puerto Rican pussy? <laughs> True story. And I was like, This is what does that mean? Is that it's like the spicy brand of vaginas? And does that the whole thing like does this Asian pussy does I don't know I, I forget what I did Came it was an old joke of, yeah um and then uh I said first of all and then she said, and then she said do be behind pull my hair do all that shit those white bitches won't let you do I'm like <laughs> what pay for dinner I don't know what white bitches don't let you do they're the craziest woman I've ever met <laughs> the whiter the crazier last time I was with the black girl I chopped my finger right she was like Psh, what are you doing? oh hell no motherfucker last time I put my finger a white girl's but she's like what are you doing 
Put your old fist More. up there, dude. More. Fist me. Fist me and punch me in the face. Fist me and punch me. I want the Nestle <laughs> knockout. Give me the Nestle knockout. Now, this is like a, this is 10 years ago, right? Right. So it's not a bit I do anymore. I'm not proud of this bit. Like, oh, this is my fucking Tonight Show bit. But, um, but for that crowd of young 19-year-old kids in Baghdad, right. I knew it worked. But I did, I did the first show I did for the Marines. It was like 2 p.m. in the afternoon. They're holding their fucking like machine guns like this. And the head of the USO goes, this woman, Tracy, she goes, um, it just didn't work that well. Yeah. And she goes, uh, maybe don't do that bit tonight for the big show. The big show is going to be 8,000 people right. outside. And I go, but you said I can do anything. She goes, I would strongly suggest you don't do that bit tonight. I go, okay. So I'd, uh, I was touring with Jamie Kennedy and he was going, he was, he was like, I'll be, he was doing clean stuff. And this is fucking bombing. Oof. Bombing. So I'm up there and I said one, like one kind of dirty joke and they just like erupted. And I look at Jamie like, should I do the fucking? Gotta do it. And he just kind of nodded. So I did it and it fucking, it's like a much longer joke than that. Right. And it like destroyed. Yeah. Right. And they were so happy. But then I was banned from the USO the next day. Because <laughs> she asked you not to do it? She goes, I told you, I, was like, I said, you suggested I didn't do it. You didn't tell me I couldn't. You yeah. just strongly suggested. Yeah. And she said, no, you can't come back. But, but I'm the one that made him laugh. So the, I guess the reason I bring that, because I guess in her mind, and this is where it comes back to, because I still did shows with uh, uh, armed services after that. Um, there, there's so many weird gray areas about things that you can't talk about that they keep have to like micro adjust. Right? Yeah. Like you can't say anything derogatory about the president or the mm. government or the army. You can't say anything homosexual. Yeah. Which there goes half my act. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't, do anything about abusing women yeah. or assaulting women, right. obviously. Um, you can't do uh, anything about weed. Right. There's maybe like a couple other things, but I had a joke about picking up women drunk. Yeah. It's a very physical joke. And they like, oh, you can't do that joke. I'm like, because getting drunk and picking up women can lead to assault. So there's a lot of, which is true, but there's a lot of like weird gray areas that you kind of yeah. can't even come close to yeah so uh you know anyway i don't know why i brought that up but well no that's an interesting thing though because they're like oh yeah you can be as raunchy as you want they see dead babies but don't you dare talk bad about our president you I know, know. Well, that's the thing. they're like no you can do anything except for this oh and this and oh, this. This. oh you can't do suicide jokes either because anything where there's a problem in the military which With is obviously it. like homosexuality suicide you know the 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 amount of uh, abuse and assault that goes on in the military it's yeah. like a big dirty secret no one wants to talk about it. it's just really sad yeah you know i've heard about that like with especially like women recruits and stuff like yeah. just getting shit on all the time by the dudes and like you know not treated like as equals and probably oh, assaulted sure. and all those things yeah but that's, that's an interesting point like i was having this conversation with someone the other day like when you say clean show, you need to be more specific than just be clean mm -hmm. because like uh, the woman that I open for sometimes, Jen Fulweiler, like she's super Catholic and a lot of her fans are super Catholic. Yeah. So, you know, they don't want to hear you cussing. They don't want to hear anything sexual. Like I have a joke about how you should carry a tampon as self-defense and like, you know, go a bunch of like wordplay with it. And even that she was like, I, I don't think you should do that because it's referencing menstruating and like they don't want to talk about it. Wow. But like all of my jokes about getting drunk or like anything related to alcohol. She's like, yeah, Catholics are alcoholics. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that's worse than the tampon joke. That's a self-defense <laughs> joke, not a tampon joke. You know, I know that's so crazy. Yeah. And all, yeah, same thing you could do. You could do getting drunk. But you can't do a joke about weed, weed, which is, by the way, weed is such a better drug than I know. alcohol. <laughs> I'm 
such a better are we person getting around are we getting around the corner on that as america accepted the fact that alcohol is terrible and weed's awesome well i was just telling you like anytime i go to a state that i'm not familiar with i look up the weed laws because i'm like <laughs> can i go buy some you know yeah, yeah yeah and uh it seems like most states it's at least decriminalized now i mean deep south no texas yeah what Aust- fuck's up with texas austin area it's decriminalized Ugh. like travis county oh, it it's decriminalized so if i'm smoking a joint on the street they'll give me like a fine They'll, yeah, or they'll just like tell you to It'll put like, it out. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think in Austin, actually, you can have like a decent amount on you and like they're just like, okay, just like don't smoke it in public sort of uh. thing. Um, but the rest of Texas, it's still just <laughs> illegal, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems like most states are at least decriminalized, but a lot of them are medical now. Like we were talking even Utah and I think Florida also yeah. um, recently are medically legal. Yeah. Cause you never hear stories like, oh, I got so stoned and I beat the hell of my girlfriend right <laughs> you know what i mean god i wish i remember who did this there was someone that was doing a late night spot at the comedy store last time i was there like right before covid and he had this whole joke comparing like i wish liquor stores were like weed stores because you walk into a weed store and they're like oh yeah do you want like a creative high or do you want to like rest in the, in the evening like what how can i help you with the strain he's like if you walked into a liquor store it'd be like do you want to rage with your bros or beat your wife tonight you know like, yeah. so much worse yeah <laughs> No, I, th- I think that, I think that lick, it's so crazy. Things get like entrenched in American culture and they just became like de rigueur, like normalized and yeah. no one ever questions it for years and years. Right. Just because of like one propaganda ad against weed, like Reefer Madness in the twenties. Yeah. Because when I grew up, I was like, oh my God, weed is so bad. So bad. People who do weed are like awful yeah. communist hippies and they, you know, like Reefer Madness, the guys like, And they're for sure going to smoke heroin right after they have yeah, weed exactly. for the first time. <laughs> Meanwhile, heroin. everyone in my family died from fucking alcohol poison by age like 40. I know. I'm like, all of my grandparents either died from that or yeah. like lung cancer because they smoked tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> just like, okay, we need to get oh, this Oh, America. <laughs> get it together, America. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, when you were traveling with the army or the USO, like, mm-hmm. duh, what were some of your favorite places to go to? Um, Like in America? I mean, it was really... It was, I mean, going to the Middle East is just so fucked. We went to Baghdad's, uh, Saddam Hussein's, like, palaces. Holy shit. Which are fucking crazy. I'm sure. And, and there's, so much, there's so much about them that you don't know if it's apocryphal or if it's actually true about the stories. Yeah. For example, there's this one elevator that was uh, uh, brass. It's a brass elevator. And you walk by it, and there's, like, a, a shape like this. On, where the elevator opens, there's a shape like this. Yeah. Like a dark was, kind of red, like around, and you no, and you get closer. It's fingerprints because apparently they would take prisoners downstairs to beat them and interrogate them and kill them, and it was the hands of the of the people. That's why it was like less up here and more in that the were middle, trying to like trying not to be get out. Down. Oh yeah. shit! And then you look up close and you see you see the fingerprints, and it just felt like like oh, this is where the brothers would go down and torture and kill people. Wow. Um, on a lighter note, they had a moat. <laughs> They had a moat around his palace, too, that had fish that they apparently, and I don't know if this is true either, they genetically engineered these fish. Yeah. They have these diamond-shaped gills to eat people as well. Like, they throw, like, they were like piranha, giant piranha hybrids that would, like, eat people. (laughs) That's the lighter note? (laughs) It was like aquarium of the dead. Holy Um, shit. Yeah, and you'd see pictures of people holding, and then they'd have weird things like, he was a huge fan of the uh, Flintstones. So there's like a Flintstone village, like yeah. right attached to the base where his kids would play and like literally see like Barney Rubble's house. That's so and creepy. Fred's house and all these like little, and like, hey, look at the cool little, hey kids, look at the, look at the little houses as we kill this fucking dissident. 
Um, How did you even get in there to see all that? <laughs> well, because we'd already kicked his fucking ass, and then <laughs> so we were. It was ours so now. <laughs> you know, America. Yeah, it's like it's ours now. So they yeah. made like they had vending machines and gift shops, and they turned it into like a complete like a. Yeah. Like a complete, you know, touristy place. And they would love to show us around. This is where they kill these people. This oh is where we do this. And, this and it was beautiful. It was also very chintzy and weird. And everyone would take pictures on this giant chair. Mm. Like his his throne. Yeah. Take pictures like, on it. Like, hey, selfie. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a good cool. promo pic. But basically the cool thing was just like hanging out with like the, the troops there and the fobs and like, <laughs> you know, no, because these people would never, they would never, um. They wouldn't get to meet anyone. Yeah. They have no connection to the outside world. Right. So when you get to show there and you're from America and you're doing comedy, they, yeah. they they appreciate in ways that I don't think that we can really fully understand. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just, I, I don't think Americans understand how much of a melting pot we have here. Like, yeah, Americans are kind of dumb and we have our own culture for sure, but we have so many different types of people here and Europe too, like, because the countries are all so close, like you forget what it's like to be in a more homogenous society of like everyone yeah. kind of has the same religion. They all have the same language. Yeah. You know, they all look similar, like different, like similar qualities. Right. Like we forget that. Like if, if you're used to that all the time and yeah. someone from someone else comes and visits, that's actually a big deal. And yeah. it's like, Oh shit. Especially America has such prominence in media. Like to, to someone who's watched American TV or movies their whole life, but never actually met someone from America. Yeah. It's probably just a mind fuck. Oh, for you sure. Know? Cause their only information is from those channels. So they're probably are like, Oh, what, what's Greek life in college? Like, and you know, it's just, yeah, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. When I would go, I would, did a uh, festival in New Zealand. And when I went there and I did some jokes, that and like involve like like race race issues in America, right. and I thought, oh, are these going to work in New Zealand? But of course it is because all they know about race is what they watch on TV, right? So and anything that like caters to that, they're like, that's so good. He said that joke about that. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good New Zealander accent, Kiwi <laughs> accent. That's what I always just try to do like I was a Reese from Flay the Flay the Concords. Oh God, Rich Jermaine, love that show. That was the best. <laughs> yeah, um, I just love when they say snicks. Set of snacks. You want some snicks? <laughs> you want some snicks? <laughs> Love it. Yep. Um, yeah, I think like a lot of English speaking countries outside of America are actually better versed in some of our race issues than us. Oh, yeah. Because they think it's so ridiculous. Like they just, they have racial tensions, I'm sure. It's just different. Like, yeah. I haven't traveled nearly as much as you, but like in Italy, for example, like, there's basically no racism except they really hate the people coming straight from Africa to sell stuff. And like yeah. the Italians are brutal to them. Oh, of course. But if you're a black person from America, they love you. Yeah. And it's just, it's so weird. Like people, like every place picks and chooses what they want to like and dislike yeah. for no apparent reason. Well, you people know? don't realize that, that we're all tr tribalists. Yeah. Like at heart, people just genetically, we have, we, we want to be in tribes. It's a primal thing. And that, that goes across race, religion, culture, whatever we like. The, look at Africa, look at all the warring in Africa. I mean, yeah. is that racism? It's just, it's tribalism. Yeah. Right. So I think that racism, unfortunately becomes the easiest way to make tribalism happen. Right. And to feel like content in your tribe. Yeah. Um, but I think in America, it's, it's so much better than anywhere else, almost anywhere else in the world. Because they're talking about it now too, I guess. people are like, well, it's not that way in England. There's 4% black people in England. Right. Okay, so they don't really have to think about it. You right. know what I mean? The fact that we're we're at this place where we're talking is, is good. It's all yeah. good. It's coming to the surface. I know a lot, of, a lot of black people say, well, it's gotten worse, but you cannot, my first girlfriend was black and I'm telling you, like that was like in the, in the early 90s and like you, like the shit that we heard and mm. see and the way people, 
I don't think that would exist now. Yeah. Or, yeah, there's no way. Because, I mean, I think people think it's worse just because we hear about it more now. Yeah. There's so many other, like, there's so many ways to get information. And also, so many people will blow up, like, not unrightfully, but they will post about a fairly minor thing that would have been considered minor in the early 90s. Yeah. You know, like, someone looked at me funny when I walked into the store, and I think it's because I was black. Like, yeah. yeah, that's not okay. But, like you know, 20 years ago, it probably would have been way worse. And you also, know? and also just like, um, I know, and I do a joke about this too, about how people say Nazis are on the rise in America. I'm like, <laughs> shut up with the Nazis are on the rise shit. It's not true. And the joke is basically like, I'm six foot tall, 200 pounds, blonde hair, blue eyes. Never, no one's ever come up to me. Hello, would you like to tell me more about the organization? Like it's never <laughs> happened. But when I was a kid growing up, there were Klan marches in DC like oh, every year. And they were allowed. And there were a lot of a lot of people at them, a lot of Klan members. It was just a thing that happened in yeah. like the 80s in DC. And uh, I, can you imagine that happening now? No way. Of course not. Hell no. So yeah. it, it is getting better. I think that people have to like, at least acknowledge that because because if you don't acknowledge it you're just like just trying to like foment more fear and a anger and hatred and right if we all if we all just try to be more kind and more loving it'll be fine but people th the sense of justice and the hate i yeah. get i get it but yeah. like ultimately like it's not gonna fucking help right especially you know? especially i mean we're two white people talking about this but it's like but that's okay but that's okay white people can talk about it but but what i'm trying to say is like the white people that get offended for other people uh. is kind of an issue with it too. Cause it's like, I mean, you probably see it all the time at comedy. Like, Absolutely. Cause I, I do a watch, lot of urban rooms. Yeah. I will watch a black comedian go on stage and make jokes about black people and the white people tense up. And then like the black people <laughs> in the audience are losing their shit. Cause it's yeah. so funny. Yeah. And then the comedian has to make the point to the white people like, Hey, it's okay. I'm saying this. They're laughing. Yes. Calm down. You know, that was like when, so my high school, TC Williams, remember the Titans, the movie, <laughs> It, it was 70% yeah. black and 30% terrified. That's a joke I do. And, it, and that's, and by the way, it's a joke, but also like, it's pretty true. Like it was, you, you were as a white guy in a school like that, there were, we would get held after for drive-by shootings. Oh shit. We had, there was like, we couldn't have night football games because of riots. It was wow. like, it was like a pretty rough school. So, um, also a great school. And like, I played in the football team. They were great. Everyone's awesome. But like, um, it was an interesting sort of like a melty pot, but the best thing that I would, best reaction I would ever get, if I could get a black girl, be like, you stupid. Right. It like made my day. Right. <laughs> so then when I started doing um like chocolate sundaes in urban rooms in like New York and LA, I would just go right into the, I would do the most like racially charged, maybe hacky stereotype, but just like f jokes that I thought were funny and, and have fun. I would make fun of like this thing and, right. and, and they would love it. They're like, look at this fuck. Sometimes they'd be like, wait a sec. All right. All right, motherfucker. <laughs> but they knew it wasn't coming from a bad place. It was yeah. coming from a place of experience. It wasn't. But then when I go, was at Princeton, if I would make any joke that involved anything about a race, they were like, you fucking pe I'm like, you went to fucking Dalton, you cunt. You don't know any. You've never met a black person. Go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Oh, I got too. Okay, I woke up a little bit. <laughs> we, we found the pedestal that you like to, <laughs> the soapbox that you like to stand on. Oh, great. Yeah, but, it was, but even back then, even back in the, in the 90s, it was like people were getting offended on behalf of minorities. Okay, we're so, getting a signal to stop the podcast. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I wanted to get into some of the- yeah, five minutes? They're like- <laughs> I think they meant five minutes. Five minutes, yeah, I know, I know. But okay, I'm sorry. taking that as a signal <laughs> to stop because I know how much I can talk. Because um, I did have a couple more questions for you. Just like- Go on. Let's do it. Um, what, are you, what are you working on right now? Mm, oh, actually, I'm going to be doing a, a movie in New Orleans- 
uh, about the the Boston busing crisis in the seventies. Oh shit! So this is another like life related issue. Um, yeah. Which is great because I've been researching it and, and reading about it. And it's I played the bus driver who drives the black kids to Southie High mm. from Dorchester to right. Southie High. So I got to work on my fucking Boston working accent too. Boston accent. Because, you know, like people from Boston, they're such fucking dicks. And if you don't do it like right, you're never going to hear that. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? You know, yeah, yeah, so I can't I do the fucking, accent. I'm gonna, like, call everyone dude. I'm going to watch See in the Hill every fucking day. Just kind of <laughs> maybe listen to Bill Burr a lot and just get a little bit of that, you know, going. <laughs> That's great. Um, and then, uh, oh, and then I'm headlining Vegas, uh, oh, yeah. June 20th through the 24th in Vegas, Laugh Factory, the Tropicana. Oh, yeah. It's good to be back there headlining, yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate how much you like to research your roles when you go into it. Because, like, there's researching, like, within the context of looking at the script and figuring out who this character is, but then actually going in and, like, doing the extra work of, like... Well, isn't that a cool thing? The, yeah, you That's get to learn thing about, about shit. Like, I... I, I you, there, there was buzzing in Virginia, but I didn't know how bad the busing crisis was in Boston. Like, mm. it was such a huge fucking... I'm talking yeah, about things getting know. better. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. What was going on in 74, the busing crisis in, in Boston was insane. Was that, like, just because of the segregation, or was it, like... Yeah, what? it was basically, like, two... Like, uh, Roxbury was the black neighborhood, and Southie was the white neighborhood, and they were busing the black kids and vice versa. Right. And just hearing these, like, old... These documentaries, these old Southie people, like, these fucking... You know, we don't have anything against blacks. But we don't want them in a fucking neighborhood. Right. Really? What it's the like, fuck did you just say? Yeah, you just contradicted <laughs> yourself. <laughs> we don't. We love the plaque. We just don't want them in a school. Right. <laughs> and they've got like a 70s Boston accent too. Oh, it's Why so bad. Why did everyone bad. in the 70s it's, sound it's, a little different than now? <laughs> like our accent keeps changing. I know. Because Boston, like Southie in the 70s, it was still like closer to the old Irish immigrant accent. Gotcha. So there's a little bit of this going on there too. What yeah. you doing with tat, you know? Still with tat, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, last question that I like to ask everyone mm -hmm. is, what are you excited about? Oh, my God. What am I excited about? I'm always about putting everyone on the spot with this one. Wow. I guess, I guess I'm just excited about uh, always just doing new shit, you know? Yeah. I just like new shit. I like new new opportunity, like changing, changing myself. I'm excited about coming up with new material. Mm-hmm. And and changing as a person so that my material my material can like change with me because sometimes you get in ruts as a comic where you're just doing jokes like wow I've been doing this joke for six fucking years now <laughs> yeah um so I'm excited about that I would I would like to do do a special I've I've got lots of offers for specials over the years nothing not Netflix so I've always said no <laughs> and now I feel stupid because I should I should because once you do a special then you can just more like let it to... go like goodbye I'll never see you again joke yeah um. So I would, I'm excited about that. I have some opportunities for that. So we'll see. Um, and yeah, just hopefully just new opportunities and new shit. And Hell yeah. And hopefully getting more uh, NAD drips so I never age. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to have you in Austin. It's been cool. I've seen you on a couple of the lineups at Big Laugh and stuff. So it was cool to like sit down and talk yeah. to you. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're going to wrap this up. So cool. thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Allison. Uh, guys, this is Detox with Allison brought to you by MSW Vitamin Lounge and MSW Nutrition. You can use the code D-E-T-A-L-K-S, Detox at checkout at MSWNutrition.com to get some of these mm. lovely drinks. And uh, yeah, till next time. I just got the plan words, Detox. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Bill Dawes, guys. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.